proud of our country, you're proud of our history, and unlike the NFL, you always honor and cherish our great American flag. It was just announced by ESPN that rather than defending our anthem, our beautiful, beautiful national anthem, and defending our flag, they've decided that they just won't broadcast when they play the national anthem. We don't like that. We don't like that. As I predicted at the end of yesterday's show, you knew that was going to happen. You also knew that Locker Up was going to take place, ironically, given the news of the day yesterday. And you knew that he would talk about building the wall because that's what Trump does. When he's backed in a corner legally, he goes politically to his base and just chums the waters and gives people what they want to hear. He plays the hits. It's like us playing Pearl Jam here at the X. It's like DVE playing Skinnerd. You can just count on it. It's going to happen. When you see him in person, you want Locker Up. When you see him in person, you want Build the Wall. And it's gotten the point now where when you see him in person, you need the NFL anthem reference. And now he built in the ESPN thing, too. Because on Friday, ESPN did say that they're no longer going to show the anthem on television. Which was kind of interesting and, frankly, kind of stupid Because they haven't been doing that much anyway. The National Anthem, according to what Awful Announcing went back and researched, was only shown on television three times when it comes to their broadcasts. And if you think about it, it's not often you see it on regular games broadcast on an average Sunday either because, well, think about it. One o'clock in the afternoon, what are you going to do? Come out of the pregame show and time into every anthem on the nose in Tennessee, in Pittsburgh, in Philadelphia, in Miami? No, that's hard to do. You never see it when one game goes to the other from one o'clock and four o'clock. Plus, hate to say it, but the national anthem, that 90 seconds, those two minutes... That's a lot of ad time to be. There's a lot of jing in there right before the game starts. That's some prime time commercial selling selling opportunities. That's prime time promotional opportunities for the networks and their own shows before they get out of the pregame and they go into the broadcast. So you don't see it anyway. You haven't noticed that it's been missing. But now we've all got to act like we're offended that the networks aren't showing the anthem anymore. So... I don't particularly want to go to the phones on this topic and say, let's talk about the anthem situation and spend the next two hours listening to one caller try to out-murica the previous caller. I don't want two more hours of resume reading over what makes you a better American than me, what makes you a better American than the previous caller, your neighbor, or the guy next to you in traffic. I'm not looking for that. No offense, but for the purpose of this discussion that I want to have, it doesn't matter if you served in the army. It doesn't matter if you're a black person who feels oppressed by the cops. I don't care if you've got an honorable discharge or if you've got a pair of friggin' pig socks and a Kaepernick jersey. None of that matters to me on either side. For the purposes of what I want to talk about, 
It's more about the broadcast angle because for the millions and millions of people that consume football every week, this is an important point to discuss in this whole conversation. The TV angle of this thing is much more important than the stadium thing. 70,000 Steelers fans, 10 to 12 times a year at Heinz Field, they see the anthem. For the rest of us, the hundreds of thousands of us, the millions of us, we don't get it on television. And like I said the last time I was on with Madden, that's a big talking point of this discussion. That frankly, not enough people are talking about this. That the whole anthem thing is just an in-house show. Just an in-house thing at the stadium. You know, you get to the playoffs, you get to Thanksgiving, you get to Veterans Day, you get to the Christmas Day games, the Super Bowl, yeah, they show it. Most of the other time, they don't. So how important is it that the anthem broadcast on television for ESPN and now CBS, who says that they're going to join in with ESPN and not showing it, why are we acting like it's such a big deal that it's not on when we never noticed that it was missing in the first place? 412-333-9939. Now, Trump said that he is the first to sign his own petition to try and force ESPN to play the anthem before Monday Night Football. And like what I keep saying is, where was this before? If it was such a big deal before, then how come he wasn't upset about it prior? Like, if if you're so into the anthem and you're so into waving the flag, we've been showing television broadcasts of football games for years and years and years since... What was it? What was the first nationally broadcast game? 1956? The NFL championship between the Colts and the Giants? Is that the first one? Or is that the first championship that was aired nationally? Especially since 2001, since 9-11. You know, we showed a lot of the anthem for the first couple weeks coming out of that. And then it just stopped after a few weeks. So if you were outraged then about the lack of anthem coverage... Where were you? Why is it only important now? Because you just want to pander. And it's not just him. It's those that are pretending to be offended by the lack of no anthem being broadcast when I never heard anything about people being offended before. Get 412-333-9939. Let's go to Mark, who's calling from the Parkway. Hi, Mark. Go ahead. You're on 105.9 The X. Hey, Tim, I think that most of the decisions made by networks, well, all of them basically boil down to money. And see if you're with me on this. I could suggest they made this decision not to broadcast the anthem. But if there's enough hue and cry from the public and advertisers see an opportunity to sponsor the national anthem with a lead-in or a commercial on the back end about patriotism, they'll put it back on again and they'll make ad money off it. I mean, that's really what I see happening. So you're saying that we we should do the anthem, but only if it's sponsored? I think they will be sponsored. I, I, I no, I, I don't. I, you know what? There I, are ad executives all over the place saying, "Hey, you know what? That's a good idea." Right. Like yeah. you ever hear a pirate broadcast where they sponsor the legal disclaimer? This act of patriotism sponsored by the yeah. U.S. Army. Hey, it's not yeah. like the NFL hasn't partnered with the U.S. Army before, right? Right. I see it. I like it. Leonard calling from Sharpsburg. Go ahead. You're on 105.9 The X. Hey, Tim. Good show. What's going hey, on? Um, 
Uh, not much. I want to talk about, I, you know what, I don't think the Steelers are going to be able to beat the Patriots this year. Um, I heard your interview earlier, but at this time last season, our defense was better with Shazier, and that's not – I don't see them um, fixing that so far. No, and they uh, have not fixed that. Uh, when it comes to the secondary, the safeties – you know, it's ironic that they're playing the Titans this week because they have Rashawn Evans. I think everybody was talking about how they're going to fix the issue at inside linebacker with safeties, and I like the notion. I like the idea. I, I appreciate where the creativity comes from, but let's remember they tried to get Rashawn Evans first, and they didn't. So right. you know, this is plan B that they're going to right now. Right. Also, and I'm going to talk about, you You know, um, you had a caller earlier with the Capitals comparison. I don't think it's the same um, because – you know, a lot of people don't want to admit it, but the, the Penguins were tired. And I mean, even Jim Rutherford said that. Um, that's not the that's not the same thing with the Steelers and the Patriots. They've just been. Why better. not? The Patriots are tired too. They keep going to the Super Bowl every year. Yeah, I mean, they haven't kept one in it. I mean, they haven't won it. You know, like so they're you know. Well, no, they won it two years ago. They beat the Falcons. Well, I know, but they didn't win last year. Well, not last year, but they still got as far. I mean, like you don't get more tired when you win it than when you lost it. I mean, the issue of fatigue is just as present. Well, I just think a, a, a hockey season is a lot more tolling than a, a, a football season. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I don't play both sports, so I don't know. Yeah, playing football is pretty toll. It, it, it takes a toll. It's it's pretty hard. Marty and Brentwood, you're on 105.9 The X. Yeah, how are you doing today? Good. Good, good, good. Hey, real quick about this whole national anthem thing. Um, I was raised a Jehovah's Witness, and part of their principles is you're never allowed to stand for the national anthem or sing the Star Spangled Banner or salute the flag or anything. So is that true? Me, this is, it is absolutely true. Okay. Um, you know, if somebody's doing it on principle, I, I think living in the country that we do, that has to be respected. If it can be on a religious basis, I feel that if you have some sort of moral well, again let's let's take this away from your personal beliefs versus somebody else's yeah. personal beliefs because that bogs down the yeah. conversation the issue is okay. uh, making a, a grandstanding um you know attempt to switch gears in a national political conversation by leveraging what the networks are doing so how important is it really that the anthem is shown on television it isn't yeah i agree thank and, you in my opinion it isn't it's one of those things that um, you know, it has just recently become this sort of issue when, for the longest time, most people didn't even notice it. We never noticed it. Out. And like I said the last time I was on, Marty, thank you. We never noticed it in stadium either when the college kids came out after the bands were done playing the anthem because everybody was looking at the tuba guy at the 50-yard line. You weren't looking for the fourth-string defensive back to see if he was kneeling or not. You know, we never even knew that the college kids weren't out there and came out of the tunnel until the anthem was over. And now we act like it's been a tradition forever and ever, and it just hasn't. Tweet me at Tim Benz PGH or 412-333-9939. When we come back, um, I want to get into a little bit of Pirates baseball. We'll do that with Chris Adamski coming up at 435. Interesting email that I got about Clint Hurdle that we're going to get to. Another follow-up thought on the Browns, too, in the wake of all the attention that Hard Knocks is getting. We'll get into that next. Tim Benz in for Mark Madden. Now the super genius, Mark Madden. You live by the ass, you die by the ass. Well, I wanted to see what your thoughts were on that subject. Wait a minute, prostitution's illegal? The X at 105.9. 
couple of football items on the table today. As I'm watching the NFL Network right now, it's Bengals and Cowboys on an NFL Network replay, and Dak Prescott is at quarterback. And for some reason, after seeing those photos, I'm so much more impressed with everything that Dak Prescott does. Like, how did he sail that ball that high with... Uh, never mind. Tim Ben's in for Mark. Uh, Chris Adamski is going to join us a little bit. Talk about Starling Marte getting back in the lineup tonight. Uh, if you're just tuning in, we had two, like I said, football-related topics going. The first of which was uh, Andy Benoit was on with us from SI, and he told us why he's picking the Steelers over the Patriots in the AFC Championship game this year and why I am not. Uh, a lot of people seem fixated on the comment that one caller made uh, comparing it to the Steelers, excuse me, the Penguins and the Capitals, and why this could be maybe the equivalent of what the Penguins had to deal with with the Caps. It's just the Caps' time. They met enough times in the playoffs, and finally Washington got over the hump. Uh, I see that. A lot of other people have called up since and said that they do not. You're just going to have to come up with a more legitimate reason than, well, they're due for me to buy into the Steelers. I, I don't buy into their due. The Capitals were due a long time before they became due, and it just did not come through. So I just can't go in that direction. Sorry about that. You know, I can't go to the point where I'm going to say that it's going to be uh, a matter of their their time or their um, uh, their chance just because of raw luck or numbers. It's not the case when it comes to football tactics and X's and O's. Tom Brady is due to have a bad game against the Steelers, and it just hasn't happened. Also, the other thing that has come up is about the anthem and whether or not it needs to be shown on television. Uh, based on what I'm seeing from people who are calling in and tweeting, uh, more people are suggesting that it's okay to not have the anthem on TV than have it on television. But you wouldn't know that after the response from some who saw Trump in West Virginia yesterday, who, of course, went nuts at the very first mention. But it's a lot easier to talk about that than it is Michael Cohen. And that's why he said what he said yesterday. It's pandering to the base. But I, I don't want to get to the political reasons of that. I want to get more into the discussion about whether or not it needs to be shown on television, since that's the real news of the day, that CBS is jumping in with ESPN as to not showing the broadcast of the national anthem on a regular basis. Special reasons they won't do it. 412-333-9939. Actually, for special reasons, they will do it, like Veterans Day, Thanksgiving, holidays, playoff games, they're going to do it. Um the baseball-related item I wanted to get to was I got an email today from somebody in my Trib Live mailbox. And in the Trib Live mailbox that I got, there was this uh, angry email from a guy who said that I should be talking more about Clint Hurdle being fired. And I heard a lot of Clint Hurdle being fired talk on the flagship station today. And I, if they had extended that 11-game win streak, don't you think that they would have considered Hurdle for like manager of the year. If, if I know that there have been times this season, and I'm on board with this, where he hasn't done a good job managing tactically. He hasn't done a good job with lineups. He hasn't a, done a good job with the uh, starting rotation coming out of Colorado. Uh, overusing some guys in long relief in the bullpen. I, I believe all of that. But it is funny to me that a month ago we weren't talking about firing Hurdle. It seems to me now that maybe we're scapegoating the manager because the management's decisions didn't work out. Like we're scapegoating Hurdle because Chris Archer hasn't been as good. And to me, I think that's almost revisionist history. 
or we're looking for a reason why we can be upset without blaming Archer or blaming the trade. And it's come up a lot, like in the last couple days, Hurdle being fired by the I, I haven't gotten into writing about it or talking about it because it's not going to happen. They're not going to fire Clint Hurdle. He costs too much in their eyes to pay off. They, they don't want to play pay guys like Sean Rodriguez to go away. They're not going to do that for a manager, particularly one who's become more or less the face of the franchise in a lot of ways because they don't keep players around long enough. You know, we got a call late in the show about this, and I just can't sink my teeth into the discussion because I don't think the Pirates have any intent on doing it. Now, you can tell me that a better manager would do better with the same players, but that's a complete hypothetical. And you might be right, but they're not going to take the time or, or expend the money to give that new manager a whole group of new players and up the payroll just to make themselves look right for firing Clint Hurdle. It's not going to happen. So that's one baseball-related thing. And then we might get into this a little bit more because Neil Kulong brought this up too, and it's, it's more football-related about the Browns. But looking at them as a potential threat in the AFC North, all that money that's being thrown at the Browns in Vegas, in fact, we have Neil talking about that. Why don't we, why don't we play that clip from Neil here? There's a lot of buzz about Cleveland lately. You brought up the Browns in the opener last year. How dangerous are they to the Steelers in 2018 to open the season? I think for for the Steelers, the bottom line is if you didn't play an 0-16 team in Week 1, you lost, period. There, There wasn't another team in the NFL that would not have beaten the Steelers that week. They didn't play well at all. They looked terrible offensively. Uh, Deshaun Kaiser walked into seven sacks. I don't think the Steelers legitimately earned all but maybe one of those sacks. Um, for, for all of those things to happen, for the Steelers to, to still need a, a, a third and a miracle play from, from Roethlisberger to Antonio Brown um, to, to set up you know, the, the situation they had to close the game out, um, that, that's really bad, playing against the team that they were playing against. Yeah, and they're a chic team right now. They're a team that a lot of people are talking about because they're on TV all the time. And I do see a lot of athletic improvements to Cleveland, but I don't know that they're so much better that they're going to be a threat to the Steelers in the North. I could see them win that game. I could see them sitting the Steelers in week one, but I just don't see the Browns coming together to the point that it warrants all the discussion that we're coming, hearing coming out of Vegas that people are throwing down tons of cash on them to win the AFC North more than any other team. Of the other teams combined... The Browns are getting more money coming in on them in Vegas than anybody else. Now, that's more about playing the margins. That's like the stock option thing more than it is actual football opinion making. But you can tell me if you think the Browns are that much of a threat, then we can talk about it. I, I just think that they're a chic team right now because of the hard knocks angle. Let's go to Grant and I-79. Grant, you're on 105.9 The X. Yeah, a couple things. How you doing, Tim? Uh, the uh, debate over the national anthem, it's it's really hypocritical, especially when the military gives the NFL so much money to promote the NF- to promote the military. And not to mention, it, what's the purpose of even having the anthem at the beginning of a sporting event? It's, it's kind of nationalistic in a way, and I served in the military. Uh, Well, the purpose is theoretically to honor the country. The purpose is to theoretically honor the flags and maybe honor those in the military. That's the theory. And, you know, it's why? Why? Yeah, right. Like, I don't I don't I I don't see the need necessarily for a sporting event 
to have to start off by honoring the country. It doesn't habit. You know what? The answer to that question is habit. Yeah. And and I I don't have a better answer for you. True. And and now that it's come up. It used to be that it was something that was easy to bring people together. You could have the Super Bowl and have two teams with ravenous fan bases on either side, and they could be ready to kill each other, and then you have the national anthem, and it brings everybody together for two and a half minutes. And that was sort of the thinking behind it, to honor everybody collectively, but now that's not the case anymore because when we've... (laughs) gotten to the point where the flag itself has become a lightning rod and something that divides people, it's counterproductive. It's counterintuitive. So the original point of it has backfired, at least to this point. So that's another reason, perhaps, why the networks don't want to do it. In fact, that's what ESPN said it didn't want to do. It's trying to stay out of the conversation. 412-333-9939. We'll get to baseball next. Chris Sadamski joins us from the trip to find out what's going on with Starling Marte here on 105.9 The X. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Mark. Yeah? Hi, Mark. Big fan. It's double M. Let me hear you woo. Hi, woo. Well, then you ain't talking, bitch. The X at 105.9. Trying to hook up with Chris Adamski down at the ballpark at PNC Park. Pirates tonight against the Braves. Uh, trainer Todd Tomzik is addressing the media right now. Perhaps an update on uh, not only Marte, but some of the other injuries surrounding the team. So we'll get to Chris as soon as possible. That's who was calling me, by the way. My phone went off before. I've got it synced to my computer, and I haven't figured out yet how to sync it to my computer and turn it off on my computer and the phone. So I knew this was going to be an issue. I was trying to talk to Chris in between commercial breaks, and I mismuted it, if such a phrase exists. So my bad there. We will try to get Chris on as soon as possible. Update from Troy Vincent. No changes at this time to the NFL's new helmet rule. They will continue to monitor it, educate, learning process for all. Here's what I've learned. It sucks, and you should have changed it. And maybe they don't feel like they can change it themselves, and they can't. Uh, They have less say than anyone, although it is the former players who sued the NFL so badly that they feel the need now to try to put the toothpaste back in the tube, and that's the problem that they're facing. 412-333-9939, the anthem issue on the table, and again, I, I'm not going down the path of uh, you're a better American because you're in favor of protests, or I'm a better American because I love the flag and I want to see the anthem before every game. It's been beaten to death. The interesting thing to me is how the networks are coming together on this and whether or not it is important to have the actual anthem broadcast on television because that's the new way to leverage this into a point of discussion from the White House. It's the TV angle. And the TV angle, to me, is kind of funny to play because it hasn't been broadcast very often. Zach calling from the truck. Hi, Zach. You're on 105.9 The X. Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Go ahead, Zach. All right. So my uh, first, let me start off by saying I, I love America. I love this country. I served five years in the Marine Corps for this country. And with that comes, you know, the right to listen to the anthem at the beginning of every sports game and also the right for these young men to protest the anthem if they see fit. I, I just want to see what you think about this whole debacle that we have going on. Well, I think you- Willie, the last caller, if you heard him before the break, kind of spoke to it. The original goal, I mean, he asked why do they do it in the first place, and it was a unification thing, uh, largely, and it was an attempt to you know have everybody be on the same side at a sporting event for at least two minutes and 12 seconds, 
and now it's turned into something that's become a great divide and is counterproductive. I think it sucks. Uh, I, I don't think that it was channeled the right way from the get-go by those who were protesting. I don't think the flag had to come into question. But again, I, I don't want to belabor that point. We've hammered that over and over again. The issue is the alleged importance of it. The White House says that it's important. I don't see it being all of a sudden important when it wasn't important before to have it be broadcast on television. You know, we can talk about how important it is in or out of the stadium, and we have, but all of a sudden the TV thing is just ratcheting it up one step further when in most games we've never had it on television to begin with. I understand what you're saying. And to ignore, like, the nationalism that comes with having the, you know, anthem being played at the beginning of every sports game and the camaraderie that it may or may not build, I personally feel like it isn't important. There's, there shouldn't be a need to wave the American flag in that manner just to say, oh, look, you, you know, you have to, you have to listen to that. Yeah, well, when you force everybody to do it, it's counterproductive to the message of what America is supposed to be. And that's where we've gotten. That's how it's become such a quandary. Thanks for the call. Steve calling from the car. Hi, Steve. Go ahead. You're on 105.9 The X. Hi, Tim. How are you doing today? Good. Uh, okay, I have a, uh, I don't know if it's a, a solution or not, but uh, in regards to the anthem. Uh, anthem, but is there any reason why they have to focus on the players? Isn't there any reason they can't just uh, pan the camera through the through the crowd? What, you know, look well, the crowd. I, I think that just kind of, if you're going to do that, then that kind of goes back to the point of why bother doing it in the first place. You know, you've got... Two minutes of a static shot, more or less. Do you just focus on the singer the whole time? Do you just focus on the guy playing the trumpet at the 50-yard line? Do you just focus? If you're trying that hard to not show the players, then you're defeating the purpose of why it's become such a talking point in the first place. And that's why this has gotten so wrong. It's not just we want the anthem to be played. It's become we want to make the players look bad. And that's why it's gotten so nasty. It's not just... We want to win. It's we want to make the other side look bad. And that's where we've really gotten into a problem on this whole discussion. All right. Uh, as mentioned now, let's go out to PNC Park. Chris Adamski joins us from the Trib. Uh, we are able to hook up with Chris now and get an update on, well, first and foremost, Chris, Starling Marte. Uh, part of the reason we we're trying to have you on a little bit earlier, I had to move back. Todd Tomzik, the trainer for the Pirates, was uh, speaking with members of the media. What was the issue with Starling Marte? <laughs> Well, let's put it this way. I'm not uh, suggesting anything, uh, I don't know, nefarious is probably a strong word, but when we asked Todd Tomzik, he went through all the injuries, he said position players, he went through pitchers, uh, follow-up, he forgot somebody, he added that in, and then somebody asked, what about Starling? He's like, in regards to, he had no idea, and it was, oh yeah, that was a, he had a doctor with me yesterday, and he said, oh, that was just a follow-up, and he had an illness in Minnesota, and you had to get that checked out. Now, Earlier, we talked to Clint Hurdle, and Hurdle just said, no, everything's back to normal with Starling. You know, he had his day before that, and yesterday he had something to deal with personally or, or something, you know, personal to deal with, however he worded it. I don't think he, he sort of implied it was a doctor's appointment, but I don't want to say this is a Martavis Bryant situation, but uh, there's not many answers here from the ballpark. You should have just said he had a headache, like Martavis has been doing with John yeah. Gruden. Yeah, yeah, that, that's sort of what I was saying. However, Tim, I, I, I want to help you out. I don't know if you're having a slow day with callers or not. I'm sure you're doing a great show. But in case you need some vitriol from fans, I'm here to help you by saying that Sean Rodriguez is nearing a return to the active roster. Uh, whether or not uh, what his injury 
whether you want to believe the severity of his injury or not, uh, both Ben Hurdle was asked about the, uh, the uh, some of the AAA players and maybe they can help this offense, and and he sort of danced around it and said, well, where, where, what's whose spot would he take? But then unsolicited, Clint Hurdle brought up that Sean Rodriguez is getting closer to return, and then Todd Tomzik said he's uh, he's in the final stages. Uh, he's taking BP right now as we speak, actually the final stages of his rehab, and he will be back to game activity soon. I don't know if you can get vitriol at this point. I'm having trouble <laughs> with vitriol. I was just talking about that before you came on. I mean, I'm hearing a lot, actually, ironically, across the street at their own flagship station. Uh, came up with a call or two late in the show yesterday here. People wanting Clint Hurdle fired. A lot more Sean Rodriguez talk, I think, would actually ramp that up. But um, I'm having a hard time creating vitriol as it relates to Clint Hurdle in that context. I mean, I, I just I, I can't wrap my brain around a full-fledged discussion on whether or not the manager should be fired when I know that the next guy that comes in isn't going to get the weapons either, Chris. And I also know that they're not going to do it. <laughs> like, they value Hurdle too much. He's too on board with their plan, and they honestly use him as a face of the franchise as much as any one player. Yeah, I, I don't know if they just sent him last year. Look, there, there's you could say now that they went to the, be a buyer this season. If they're going to finish with 80 to 83, 84 wins, which, uh, you know, I don't think that's underachieving for this team. I know maybe this roster now, if you want to say Archer and Keller were that big of a addition, and, and maybe you do look forward to next year then. That's what they're going to say is that, hey, we got these pieces. The deadline will be that much better next year. We're, we're still young. We, we like this core. Uh, and, and they're going to point to next year. I, I don't think anything that that's going to change. Now, if you want to start uh, specific decisions or whatever the Sean Rodriguez you know love affair is, that he stays part of the team and part of the bench and uh, keeps getting you know coming to the DL and back off the DL. That's a whole other story. But Sean Rod might be back. I know that I mean, nothing gets the fans more uh, charged up than that. Yeah, you know what the thing with him is, Chris, is that you know it's been um, underscored since Kevin Newman has come up and in essence been the last guy in the, on the roster, right? I mean, Kevin Newman yeah. comes up, he's the last guy on the roster. They're using him in pinch situations when it comes to uh, fielding, when it comes to base running, get a slow guy in base, they want to put him out as a pinch runner, fine, go ahead and do that. But by no means were forcing him into the lineup as they were basically doing with Estrad. I think since Newman has come up, it's shown even more how they were overextending themselves to get Esrod in the lineup, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and, you know, I don't – to me, I, I get it. You know, there was a track record there. I, but, I, you know, it wasn't like he was – this isn't like a, a player past his prime that was a, you know, an all-star type player, a Hall of Fame type player who's just past his prime and you're giving him a chance. I mean, I, I, you know, I know he had 19 home runs or you know, I think it was 18 or 19 home runs two years ago. And, uh, you know, everybody was a nice guy. Loves him. You know, I loves him. I almost guarantee he'll be part of the organization – when he's done playing, which is probably who's next year. And, uh, and that, he might be a great baseball mind, whatever, but, uh, you know, it makes me scratch my head that he, you're right, he keeps getting these uh, plate appearances and at-bats and innings in, the, innings in the field. Chris Adamski with us from the trip. All right, Chris, so we're sticking with just a one-day illness for Marte, and yet he was good enough to get in the game and pinch hit at the end of the contest anyway last night. Did people press Hurdle or Tomzik about that at all? Uh, they were pretty much, you know... Clint, because it's Tom Zick was talking, is always reluctant now, uh, recently here to talk more specifics about anything health related. Um, you know, Clint did say back to normal, you know, implied the old, you know, wash it off. He did, that he did the shower it off. He disciplined him the day before. He, he was in the game last night and, uh, he's in the lineup today. So, uh, apparently, you know, as, as Clint said, back to normal with Starling Martek. 
Chris Adansky from the trip, joining us from PNC Park as we talk about the Pirates a little bit here. What do you think about the job that he's done this season, Chris? You know, it, it's you look at some of the, the guys he's, he's been given, that bullpen to start the season, had Michael Police and George Contos in there and, and, and how bad they were, and you know, and you had to go to some other. I don't know how talent, like I said, I don't know, if you look at the talent on this team, I don't know if it's much better than the 80-84 win team, and that's probably what they're going to end up having. Um you know, how much... Are well, see, that's, that's where I was. You know, you extend yeah. that 11-game win streak, we're talking about him for manager of the year. And now that things haven't gone well since the trade deadline, people are talking about having him fired. I I know they're not going to do it, which yeah. is, you know, I, I think it's really reactionary um, thinking at this point to just assume that he's going to be the one that gets scapegoated because it went wrong after the trade deadline. Yeah, and, that's, and if you look at this season, remember, they were 26-17. and 17. That's a pace to 100 games. I know that's only a pace. But you go from that 40 or 43 game stretch to the next 45 games where they go 14 31. I, I don't know if that's an indictment on Clint or if that's, you know, at one point after the 11 game winning streak ended, uh, if you take away the 45 games, which I know is a lot of freaking games to take away, uh, you know, they, they were one of the best teams in the league from that first six week start and the 11 game winning streak put together. Now progress back again and you had all the optimism at the right time there. You know, there's a lot of, we'll, we'll probably never know. How much the the trade deadline was either ownership driven or, or uh, you know if that was something you know sort of a PR type deal that would be a buyer and let's do that and, and feel good about where we're at and and because look at you know think about it now that the Nationals are now ahead of the Pirates right the Nationals are half a game ahead of the Pirates the Nationals just literally well not literally they did not literally wave a white flag I hate people just use the word literally but they waved the white flag in the season yesterday by giving away two of their players uh, and here the Pirates are now behind that team so well, this season's over which is fine. Uh, you know, I'm not making the playoffs this year isn't a, a prime. I don't think many people expected him to. But, I, you know, if, if you're going to evaluate the season and evaluate Clint Hurdle, it's been a weird season because it started out so well, much better than most people expected. And then you had this awful, awful stretch where they're the worst team in baseball, and then they had the 11-game winning streak. And now they can't hit it all. And in the, yeah. 30, in the 30 seconds we got left here, Chris, is that part of the reason why he's been as – prickly as he has in recent days. I mean, even with Greg Brown in one of their pregame interviews on the network side, that got a lot of attention. Is it frustration from a former hitting coach that he just can't make these guys hit the ball? Yeah, I mean, this is sort of a historic sort of offensive you go by. But I think when you're getting the pitching they're getting, and I think maybe he would have been for the organization. We think about how validated they would have been if this team was scoring even three or four runs a game this past week. They could have said, you know, flip the figure of, you know, middle finger to everybody who criticized the skip a turn thing, the whole play Holmes debacle, because look how well these starting pitchers are pitching. Right or wrong, I don't want to revisit that decision, but maybe that's part of it, but they're getting this great pitching and they bought the deadline. And by all rights, if they were just scoring three runs a game right now, they'd be only a couple games out in the wild card. So it's got to be frustrating. I'm giving that. Chris, thanks. Appreciate the time. We'll talk again soon. Anytime, Tim. All right. That's Chris Adamski from the Pittsburgh Tribune Review down at PNC Park after. Todd Tomzik speaks with the media. We find out, ah, oh, just an illness for Starling Marte. That does have Martavis Bryant written all over it. Uh, Bob McLaughlin joins me next before we hit the top of the hour. Mark had an idea for an expand, not expansion draft, sorry, a uh, fantasy football draft. Something to replace a fantasy football draft. What do you have, the totalitarian dictator draft? Wasn't that what he wanted to do? The white supremacist draft, I think he was going with well i've got an idea as well it's not quite along those lines but uh, we'll see what you think love that for you next here on 105.9 the x 105.9
Bob McLaughlin joining me right now, courtesy of 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Tim Ben's in for Mark Madden. Um, now, Mark did a fantasy draft, Bob, or wanted to do a fantasy draft based on totalitarian dictators. Yeah, it was kind of like a throwaway line. I forget what he was ranting about at that time, but he kind of said that. and He never really followed through with it, though. I would have liked to have heard it. Do I take it you have? We talked about it on the (laughs) podcast a little bit, and he's right. That's one of those things where if you try to do it, you could do it, and it could be funny, but you'd only get in trouble for it. And for as funny as it would be, it wouldn't be worth it. So, no, I'm not going to follow up on the totalitarian dictator or white supremacist draft that he was talking about for fantasy football, to replace fantasy football. But the ironic part about that was the day he was talking about that, I just had a conversation with a friend of mine about the fantasy draft for Quentin Tarantino movies. <laughs> I don't know why we were talking about that this. That came up how? But we had just, I don't know, beer? Beer and the fact that I had right. been watching Pulp Fiction the day before. Oh, there you go. Okay. So that's kind of how, so we did well, a, it was a whole weekend of Kill Bill. She comes up. Yeah, Kill Bill will come up later here. And it does take a whole weekend pretty much to watch both of them. But we did a fantasy draft of Quentin Tarantino movie characters. I, I should have invited Mr. Flix into the conversation, but I did not. Um, now, when it comes to bad guys, I think that's where the most depth is with Quentin Tarantino movies, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. Bad guys? Because you can get Hans Landa, Monsieur Candy, <laughs> and Drexel, because I'm including True Romance, even though he didn't direct it. He wrote it and was in it. So to me, and that's one of my favorite movies to include of it. all you time. Absolutely have to include True Romance. That. You can get to four characters that were worse than Hitler. Hitler was in Inglorious Bastards. Hitler is a Quentin Tarantino movie bad guy. I was going to say, you, you are talking the Tarantino Hitler, right? Not the real world Hitler. No, I'm talking Tarantino Hitler. Okay. Who was all actually right. kind of comical at times in that movie. Right. But I wouldn't call him comic relief. We did have a comic relief category as well. There were some comic relief guys too, but I would go Hans Landa 1, Monsieur Candy, and Drexel before I got to Hitler. Would you agree? That's pretty strong. Um, I'm trying to think of... Uh, see, I remember the actors. I don't remember so many of their character names. Um, well, Hans Lando was Christoph Waltz in Inglorious Bastards. Number one. Monsieur easily. Candy was Leo DiCaprio in Django Unchained. Yeah. Right. And Drexel was Gary Oldman. Oh, okay. That's right. The in White Pimp. Romance. Yeah, the White Pimp. Gotcha. Right. Now, the comic relief guys that we came up with were Eli Roth, who well, played... Wait, what about the what about the rat? In uh, Reservoir Dogs, the guy who actually, you know, the actual guy who was part of the, was it Mr. White? Yeah, I think so. You know, that's, that's the lowest of the low. Well, I've you're got, the okay, well, that's, that's where we got into flex position, because there's a flex position in fantasy <laughs> football, so we got into flex characters, and we had Sam Jackson and John Travolta, because they're good guys and bad guys, right? Like, they're bad guys, but you, they're kind of the protagonists of the movie. Right. So we had Sam Jackson and John Travolta from Pulp Fiction. I had Mr. Pink, Steve Buscemi. Doesn't he qualify as a flex character? Absolutely. Wouldn't you say like a good guy Absolutely and a bad guy on that one. at the same time? The comic relief guys we had were Eli Roth, who played the Bear Jew in um, Inglorious Bastards. Right. Donnie Donowitz was his real name. Uh, Brad Pitt, who was Floyd in True Romance, smoking pot out of the honey bear on the couch. Short scene, but legendary. Oh, legendary. Perfect comic relief character. And um, we didn't get that much further with comic relief well, guys. What about Tim Roth, comic relief with the wallet? In Pulp Fiction, in the diner. Oh yeah, I could see that. But he was kind of a dink, though. Yeah, know, but, does the gimp qualify as comic relief? I don't well, know. There's nothing funny about that scene. <laughs> you know, hopefully, 
hopefully none of us have any real world experience with that. Uh, leading ladies, Patricia Arquette as Alabama Worley. Mm-hmm. Diane Kruger as Bridget von Hammersmark in Inglorious Bastards. Inglorious Bastards, right? Uma Thurman as Gotta the bride in Kill Bill, I guess. Uh, you know, the wolf I think qualifies as a comic relief character. If you wanted to go back to that one in Pulp oh. Fiction. I don't know if he's he was, pretty funny. He was well. The scenario was funny. He was deadly serious. He was super serious. Yeah, as you could say. Well, the, yeah, the personality was, but the way that the pace of the scene was more about comic relief. Wouldn't he you was agree? Kurt. <laughs> uh, protagonists: Clarence Worley in True Romance, then Butch Bruce Willis in Pulp Fiction, especially because of the Gimp scene, and uh, Brad Pitt as Aldo Rain in Inglorious Bastards. Well done. He had to fight through all the bad guys. Including Hitler, who's only fourth in our in our selection process. Wait, I'm trying to. If think. If you do an S curve and you come back to Hitler, that means he's been really good at coming up with bad guy characters. Bronson Pinchot as comic oh, relief. Oh, comic relief, yes. Comic relief in How true could I romance, that? especially when the coke bag went everywhere. The coke bag going everywhere right. when he threw up on himself at the roller coaster. <laughs> right. I mean, just about every scene he was in, he he stood out. As much as I hated him going into that movie, after it, I was like. Uh, Bron- uh, Bronson Pinchot pretty much nailed that role. That was pretty. Oh, good. he was fantastic. He was, Everybody, that, movie that, that was, was that was the best yeah. cast ever in a movie for for my money. The cast, top to bottom, and how they were cast. Oh, come on, airplane. Was, well, okay. How many spaceball references do we use on Twitter yesterday? <laughs> we were talking to Mike DeCourcy, <laughs> Mike DeCourcy about <laughs> Lord Helmet, <laughs> and I was glad that he got it. You know, because he's a friend of the show and. Without any backing or without the personal interaction yeah. on Twitter, sometimes you know the national media guys. Yeah, I don't get. Eh, I don't want to be put in that light, but he got it. He was a good sport about it. All right, uh, when we come back, uh, we'll get away from the anthem thing for as long as we can, and then we'll get into a less controversial topic. Uh, Le'Veon Bell. That's next on 105.9 The X in thirty seconds.